Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Well, good morning. I, um, I chuckle a little when Pastor said, text me, would you like to speak today? And I think to myself, he hears me every Friday in prayer. Does he not know? I mean, why would he ask me again? I'm always confused. Like, why would he continue to ask? Because one day he's going to say, can you not speak anymore on Friday? It would be great. We've done, you've done your time. Thank you. But he always seems to call me back. Um, <clears throat> we have two women that are in our house. And Terry Hendon and Julie, I don't know where Julie went to, but Julie Hayden, they are amazing women. Terry as our pastor's wife and pastor, and Terry as uh, Julie as Pastor Julie, who does a million things. I have some flowers over there, Mark. Could you bring them over? Mark, my Sherpa. I brought my Sherpa today. Terry, one for you and one for Miss Julie. We love you. We appreciate all of your hard work and prayers and love for all of us, for sure. What an amazing time of worship that God brought us this morning. I mean, giving him our all, isn't that what it's about? Every day, every minute, every hour, we just break it all down. It's about giving him our all. From the youngest in here to the oldest, it's about stepping out and giving him everything. And I just appreciate <clears throat> the worship team and their ability to bring us into the presence of God. No matter what's going on around us or in them, it's just bringing us into the presence of God, and I appreciate it. Appreciate all of you. <clears throat> so I asked Pastor, you know, what would you like me to talk about? Kind of give me direction. And he said, well, let God. I'm like, oh, no. I hope I hear because I'm a little nervous. I like direction. I like being told a lot of times what to do and how to do it. You know, at work, it makes me a little happy most of the time. So <clears throat> God started to remind me, especially with the rain that's out there. Years ago, we had just per I had purchased my home, moved in, were there about four years, and I was going about my business. I was just going to work, taking care of kids, cleaning the house, taking care of my mother, going to movies. Who knew what I was doing? I was just living life and really was carefree about the things that I was doing. And <clears throat> my morning alarm went off to wake up the kids. They used to get on the bus, I don't know what time, early. So I get up, I go downstairs, half awake, and I walked into my daughter's room, and about a foot and a half in, I hear this horrible sound. Squish, squish, squish. And I said to myself, uh, what is that? Because I've never had that before in my home. I had no idea, you know, what any of that was. So <clears throat> my heart instantly stopped. I was like, you know, you get jolted awake. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm awake now. Check. I'm wide awake. And in my mind, I felt like 
the cartoons, Ayiga, Ayiga. You hear that big horn? Get up, get up. Everyone started yelling, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. I just was not stopping. And you know, Elizabeth's like, what is going on? Candace is in the room. We're, like, we're all like, what is going on? What is going on? And I could hear that sound and like a five alarm fire bell at the, alarm, at the firehouse we used to live by in New York. It was like, oh yeah, it's a big one. We have a problem. Then at that point, I started looking around the room. But like, could I see the water? Because I knew it was there because my foot was wet. I couldn't see it because there's carpet, right? Except for where I had touched my, my footprints, I could see like Jesus in the sand walking, you know, into my bedroom, into the bedroom. So I was like, oh, and then I, my eyes jumped out again like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Because women, when you walk into your teenager's room, it's a blessing, right? Because you love those little ones. You were just so thrilled to have them. Remember when they were born? They were so beautiful, so quiet, so in one place. Everything was perfect. Then they grew up, and I looked around the room, and I saw a textbook, another textbook, a backpack, a notebook, lots of clothes, clean and dirty, all on the floor mixed together, and they knew which one was which all the time. Shoes, I mean, electronics, and since I have Candace as a daughter, she's very inquisitive, she was taking apart electronics, so there were like little pieces of little pieces of little pieces all over the floor, and I said, start picking everything up, so we're picking everything up, we're picking everything up, and we're throwing it on the bed. Well, P.S., the bed's going to have to be moved. So now what do you think we're doing? We're taking everything off the beds, because there's two rooms, off these huge beds, bringing them into my family room. We're moving little pieces of things and clothes, and just it was just crazy. And finally, we got it all out of there. And I, took, I went out, I got my shop vac. What woman? We have our shop vacs, right? We clean things. Well, really, they're for the men. But I had this, this shop vac, so I ran out. I knew right where it was, got it, hooked it together, slapped it against the wall where it was coming in on the foundation, and it was like this. It filled up that quick. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, what am I going to do? I took the thing, I ran, dumped it, you know, ran back, hooked it back up, did that about four times and realized, oh, I think I have a second. Ran out there. I did them one after the other. It was just what you heard for, for an hour. It would just fill up that quick. The water was coming in so quickly. So I called around, did what I needed to do, got a hold of my brother-in-law, who was amazing, Charles, Lael, and my sister. They are, they are fantabulous. I mean, there's no other word to say because I can't think of anything how amazing they are. And they um, brought over what they had and were very helpful. We tried to save the carpet. <clears throat> To much avail, we threw the carpet away, and it never really got above the foundation, the floor, you know, the cement floor. So, friends of ours, men got together and said, We know what to do. Pulled up their pants, they brought in a backhoe, ripped up my backyard, and as far as I'm concerned, they tar and feathered my house. I have no idea what they were doing out there, but I saw tar, so I'm assuming there were feathers somewhere. They did what they needed to do. They moved the dirt back. Everything was wonderful, right? And we're like, oh, thank God. No more water in the house. About six months later, I get up to the alarm to go get my children. 
And guess what? Thank you, yeah. It wasn't in the bedroom this time. Now it's in the family room because it had rained all night again. So now I'm like doing everything. So now not only, we didn't learn our lesson the first time. So we're picking everything up. We're picking it. We're moving furniture. We're putting it on big cement blocks. We're doing the whole thing. Finally, the rain stopped. It dried up. Called Permaseal and they jackhammered my house and tiled and everything is wonderful. But every time it rains, no matter where I am, I could be in New York and it's raining there. I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's raining at my house. I wonder if everything's okay. I panic. Now, you know it's probably sunny here, right? Because it's passed through, but I always do that check and then I relieve a little, like, oh, yeah, I got a lifetime warranty on that. Everything's fine. But for a few years, let's do three and a half. Let's video, let's roll the videotape ahead. Candace is getting married. And my poor kids had lived in the basement like they were at the public pool because I did not put carpet down again. It was cement on that floor. They were like, can we paint it? I'm like, no, you can't paint my cement. They're like, can we epoxy it? Can we do, can we chalk draw on it? Can I bring it in and just do chalk? I'm like, no, someday I'm going to put carpet down here. Well, when Candace was getting married, people were coming that you know, I wanted to impress, I guess. I don't know. So I put carpet back down for these children. So they were like, yay, it's so soft again and warm because their feet were always freezing. I'm surprised I don't have arthritis. So <laughs> it was terrible. It was really embarrassing, but, you know, I didn't really care. So um, let's be honest. After you put carpet down three times and you pay X amount of dollars time three times, you're like, I ain't doing carpet again. I mean, I could have got those little linoleum squares. Peel, stick. Peel, stick. That might have been nice for them, right? The little 1968 peel and stick aluminum, or what? not aluminum, but linoleum. <sighs> I should have, but I didn't. So I knew the rain was pouring. I knew that the floods were coming. They were happening all over Porter County at that, I mean, the state at that year at that point in time. I remember that was the, the first year that it happened, that, that 8094 shut down, and every trucker in the free world was like livid because they didn't know how to get around. It took twice as long, you know? So I would drive around my neighborhood prior to this happening to my house, and I would see carpet, furniture boxes, just uh, people with long hoses from their house, you know, dripping, putting that water out, you know, that some pump was wearing. But I was not prepared what was going to happen to me. Even though we see and we know that the storms are coming in life, we are not always prepared for them to come. Right? <laughs> They come around us, they knock us, they breeze us, they blow us. I mean, they're just all different kinds. We are not prepared. However, as Christians, we can be ready. We have Jesus, who is our anchor. He's the one that keeps us from tossing and, turn, tossing and bouncing about what we're going through. In Hebrews 6.19, it says in the New King James Version, because I'm a good King James girl if I'm nothing, this hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. And I read that I, I knew what it meant, but 
I have some friends in the house here who have been reading the Passion Version. So I said, well, I'll go over there. You know, let me take a look and see what they say over there. I'm going to read it to you. We have this certain hope, like a strong, unbreakable anchor, holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. Now, if that isn't a word picture, I used to love listening to Chuck Swindoll, if any of you remember. He's still around, but, you know, I don't want to put him anywhere else. But he's, he has such great word pictures. And to me, I feel like he wrote that. That is such a great word picture for me to hold on to. An anchor is something that keeps something in place. As long as that is tethered to something, if it's tethered to a boat, that boat is not going to go. It may rock, it may bounce, but it is not going to be moved. It is going to stay in that, right there in that place. It is a strong and certain, it is strong and certain if something is linked to it, it's just not going to go anywhere. So I looked up the word strong. We all know, we all see Popeye flexing his muscles. He's a strong man. Poor little olive oil, this thin little thing that comes running. Okay, strong, able to withstand great force or pressure. What do we have every single day in our life? Great forces and pressure. Moms, pressure to be perfect. Pressure to get it all done. Pressure to not forget things. Pressure to make sure the family's okay. Pressure to make sure the job is okay. Pressure to make sure the house is okay. Pressure to make sure the laundry's okay. Pressure to make sure you're okay. Pressure to make sure your family's okay. Your mother, your... your, The list goes on. I mean, that's just the top of what we deal with as mothers, right? As women. It is overwhelming. But you know that God is that anchor. You just got to know that you know in your knower, like I've heard said before, Adele, you got to know in your knower that God is your anchor. He is strong. He is certain when those great pressures come against you. In Romans 8, Paul talks about the things. I'm going to try to turn there. This poor Bible has gone through a lot. It's been weathered for sure. Romans 8, um, 38 and 39. This is the New King James Version again, ladies and gentlemen. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come nor heights, nor depths, nor other created thing, nor other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what he is saying there, ladies and gentlemen, I should have a PowerPoint, but I don't. Nothing. There is nothing on this earth. There is nothing high or low that could separate you from that. Nothing. That sets a standard. 
If you read that, if you really take that in, that sets a standard for who our Christ is, who our, who our Lord is. That's our standard. Nothing. He is strong. Nothing is going to change that. He loves us. He cares for us. If he cares for the birds in the sky, he cares for you. You know, that's just how it is. We are safe with that anchor. Nothing can separate us from his strong and certain love. He's our anchor. And I was reading, as I was reading that, it talked about we have this certain hope. And I looked up the word certain. Known for sure. Established beyond doubt. It's certain. Certain as the sun is going to rise and set. Certain as the hours on the clock tick by. Certain as things happen and things change and we cannot all make it perfect and right. It's established. It's certain. It's for sure. There was no wavering in this anchor. It is sure it is not moving. It is steadfast. And I was looking up words, so I looked up steadfast. It says, these were the words that were listed below it. See if any of them mean anything to you during your life. Loyal. Faithful. Committed. Devoted. Dedicated. Dependable. That's a huge word. As mothers and as fathers, we, that dependability, boy, that's huge. Reliable, steady, true, consistent, solid. Oh, it's just hard as a rock. It's trustworthy. And like I just asked you to think about those words, I thought about those words. He was loyal. Back in 1900 and something, to some of you kids, that's never heard of, but 1982. <sighs> it's a great year, ladies and gentlemen. I was saved by, by God. He found me in Rochester, Minnesota, on the verge of going into places that I probably was not coming back from easily. And he stepped in, and he saved me. He was so loyal. He sought me. And he kept seeking me, kept seeking me. He was faithful. Years down the road, I would be married, and I would begin to have children. And I lost two of my children very late in my pregnancies. He was faithful. Every day that I felt less of a woman, he made me feel more of his child. Every day that I felt horrible as a wife, he lifted me up. He was faithful. He was faithful when I was in that dark, dark place. He was so faithful to me. And he said, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep moving. I'm going to be with you every single step. He was dependable when my mother lived with me and I had to help take care of her. She was an amazing, amazing mother. And but she had challenges, you know. God had brought her through a lot. She had been in 22 foster homes. Her mother and father were around through her life, and 
she would get settled and then they would come in and wreak havoc and change the whole atmosphere again and she would have to start all over. And that made her rock. It made her a rock. God made her a rock in that. But there were a lot of things to come over. But God was very dependable during those times that I had to parent my mother. He was amazing. He was steady. I was just so moved by those words, and I want you to think on those words as you go out today. There is no lack, no lack in this hope. It's certain. It's there. It's not moving. I am certain of this anchor, and we can depend on it in every single storm. One can have peace in the midst of a storm, a monsoon, a hurricane, a tropical depression, water in your basement, your kid being annoying, your husband and wife bickering with each other, your boss, you want to rip your hair out, your job, the traffic. I mean, who, who are all these people moving to Northwest Indiana and could they leave? I mean, the traffic's horrible. I drive down Route 6. I'm like, am I in the city of Chicago? I don't understand. Bye, 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 as those boys say when they sing that song. <laughs> really, I've had enough of them. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> talks in Mark, Jesus calms the storm. I believe it's, yeah, Mark 4, 35, if you'd like to turn there. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping. He was sleeping on a cushion, it says here. Okay, that's nice. The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we're going to drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it became completely calm. He said to his disciples, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? <laughs> Number one, storms are going to come. Peter talks about the trials in 1 Peter 4. They are coming. Trials will be coming. When we became a Christian, there was nothing that said, there was no command that said, no trials for you. Like that soup Nazi, no soup for you, no trials for you, no trials for you, no trials for you, no trials for you. There was not a big universal sign for no stamped over you. There was not a t-shirt printed that said, no storms here. They're coming. They are coming. But you have to know that he's our anchor. 
In this passage of scripture, Jesus was with them in the storm, and it still came. You are not exempt. They are coming. With Jesus, they are coming. I know that a lot of us, I'm sure including myself many a times it was, that we were going through a storm, and we were in shock. We're like, uh, didn't you see that I dedicated my life to you? Is my name not written in the book? Because I could redo, I could make sure it is. I thought it was written in the book. I know it's written, you know, at Beacon Christian Assembly because they wrote it in there when I, when I got baptized. So I'm pretty sure it's in the book. I don't know why I'm going through this trial because it's really not, I'm sure it was for somebody else. It was probably, there's a lot of Kimberly Brodies in this world. So I'm pretty sure it was for the one in Arizona. Wasn't mine. Why is it happening to us? We don't know why it's happening to us. You might be in a storm right now wondering, why am I going through this? And where is God? How many of us question, where is God? He's right there. He's right there. Doesn't God know that I'm in the middle of this storm? Doesn't God know that I'm going through at that time, whatever it was, my divorce. I'm a Christian. Doesn't God know I'm going through this? Isn't God going to take care of Michael and make him better? I mean, really, just fix him. That's all I'm asking you to do. Big storm. My kids growing up, big storms. Isn't God going to make that better? There's, oh, they're both there, too. Yay, I thought Candace was gone. She was a stormy little girl herself. So, you know, isn't God going to make that better? The loss of those children. God, why aren't you making it better? I'm doing everything that I think I should do. Why are you not making it better? The disciples felt the exact same way. They were in the boat with him. They could see him. They could see each other. They could tangibly touch him. We can't do that. They knew he was there. He was there. He was there. But yet they were in the middle of the storm. Right? They were worried about sinking. Again, you're just wondering, why am I going through it? Does he even care? He's not angry with you. He's not playing with you. He's not, you know, up there creating little books saying, okay, what can we do today? Uh, we're going to do this today to her. That He's not up there doing that. He's not angry. Many storms, let's just lay it out there. They're there because we, we set them in motion. We made choices. We made decisions. We turned our back on what we know is to be righteous and true and holy and pure, the list that's there. We knew. And we made that decision anyway. So some of those storms are there for our own doing. And the other thing is, people, we live in a fallen world. Storms are coming. We live in a falling world. 
I just remember I was trying to ask Candace where it was in the Home Alone, you know, when Kevin says, we all do, you know, when he's talking to that lady at the checkout, we're all kids, we all get in trouble, we all have storms, we all do. That's the way it is. And you can't sit there and dwell on that storm. You are going to sit there and day in and day out and try to figure it out meticulously. Ooh, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Good and bad both happen. The sun will rise. The sun will set on the good and the evil. That's how it is. But the key to this is it depends on if you're prepared. Do you have that anchor? Are you prepared I still go through my neighborhood a lot of times in the town of Portage in the county of Porter, and I look at those same houses, and they still have carpet, padding, furniture, all sitting out there after a heavy rain. And I say to myself, why weren't they prepared? I should go give them the number for Permaseal. I think it's pretty much all over, but I could give them the number. It was a magic. It was wonderful. Took care of it. Sometimes people aren't interested in being prepared. As Julie talked about as we sang, they're just not surrendered. They're not surrendered and they're not ready to be prepared. So what's going to happen is you're going to bounce around during that storm. You're going to bounce around. You have to be prepared you have to be prepared. We need to be sold out to the cause of Christ. We need to just give it all up. The stuff we're doing ain't working anyway. It's not working. So how do we get prepared, right? We have our, we have our word of God. We have things in our tool chest. I know that pastor talked about before, right? We have our tool chest there and what we can do when those storms come. When those little foxes start coming into your garden and start eating the things that are yours, you can know what to do. We have prayer. I mean, I think of prayer as my bomb shelter. Man, that's where I go to hide and that's where I get in and down and by myself and really seek God for what he's going to do. I am in hiding with him and he is going to take care of it. All that stuff that's going on outside around me, he's going to have to take care of and he will. Jesus is always with us in the storm. If you look back in the scripture, it's in Hebrews 6, 19. It says, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? <laughs> the issue with his disciples was not that he was there, but that he was asleep. <laughs> you know, when the boat was going over, I'm pretty sure prior to that day, he was ministering to more than this crowd. He was being drawn on by people in need. He was tired, 
But you know what? He was at peace. He was sound asleep on that little cushion, just like your little kid laying on the couch, the one you got to carry to the bedroom. Do you not just look at them and think, oh, bless their heart. They're so cute. They're so comfortable. They're so darn cute, but i got to carry them now. But they're really cute. They're laying there out like a light. TV's blaring. Music's going. Who knows what's all going on around them? But they are out. They're at peace. This is not his lack of care. God cares for you that he's sleeping through the storm. It's just not his lack of care. We've been in the middle of our storm, and God is nowhere to be found. The heavens are brass. You're praying. It's just like beating a door down that's for the jolly green giant. You could just feel like you're just pounding and pounding, but he is always there. Jesus, at that point, rebukes the storm, and everything calms down. It's like waters of glass. You look over at the Sea of Galilee. It's all down. The wind is not running. It's just beautiful out, right? And Jesus says to them, why are you so afraid? P.S., did you not see the storm? We were going to drown. But Jesus, this whole time with these men, has been revealing himself and he's hoping that they what they've gone through over these past years with him that they are getting a firm foundation to go through what they're in now Jesus had been pouring himself out but that did not happen what has God done for you Are you remembering those things? Are you remembering them? (laughs) He is hoping that what he has done for you will cause certainty that you know how to get through what you need to get through. That you don't have to clamor like a crazy Aiga horn and their eyes popping out of your head and you're running around women like a crazy woman two minutes before you got to leave for church. Come on, who does it? It ain't just me. And if it is, I apologize because that does happen. You're crazy. Where are my keys? Where's this? Why did you move that? I can't find my eyeliner. What are you doing? Why are you not dressed? Did you eat? The dishes are still done. Why? What is going on? You, don't ha- you can be a little bit calmer, right? And it's actually so, the only other word I could use is peaceful. When you somehow try and let that go, and not let all those things bother you, it is really super peaceful. It's like that glass sea. You know that you still got to find your keys. You know that you really should find your eyeliner. You know that the dishes should be put away. But you know it's going to get done. You know those things are going to happen. Jesus will calm the storm in his time. 99% of the time, I know we all use our phones as our time, but to me, you got to find your phone. I can never find anything, so finding a phone 90% of the time is going to be a problem. But I know I can find my my wrist. I remember that much right after having two strokes. So I have my watch on, and I'm very mindful of that time. Whether I'm at work, I'm very mindful of where I need to be what time I need to be there. 
I'm very mindful of things in my home that need to be done. They need to be done on time. Things need to be done. Now, I might wait, but they need to get done. It's like that kid, you know, writing that term paper in college. You know, it's due tomorrow morning at 8. Well, it's midnight. I think I'll start. I'm a little like that sometimes. I'm not going to lie. So we're very mindful of our time. But God doesn't move in our time. He's got his own watch. (laughs) We ask God to move in our finances. We're like, oh, Lord, I need to make the rent. Please help me make that rent. Five minutes later, we see the mailman go by. We're like, oh, yes, my check is in the mail. Check's in the mail, ladies and gentlemen. And I go out and get the mail, and it's dumb flyers. Elect me. I'm like, I don't care about you. Where's my check? Five minutes have gone by. We like things to be done quickly. Mothers, we really like things to be done quickly too, right? Okay, take out the garbage. That's what you hear. Okay, can you take out the garbage? Would you mind taking out the garbage for me? The 12th time, take out the garbage! What are you doing? Do you not hear me? Just get it done. We want things done right away. But God does not move that way. He knows the situation you're going through, and he will show up and calm the storm in his timing. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to your prayers. He hears you. He sees you. He will never leave us through marriage issues, through the death of a loved one, your family member on drugs, yourself on drugs, depression, parenthood, your job, whatever it is, sickness, taking care of your parents now that you got to be the parent. The list goes on. He will never, ever, ever leave you. It's through those storms that we really understand the character of Jesus. We, we understand who he is. And that's <clears throat> in this passage, the, these disciples were terrified, it says. Ah, terrified. I mean, I would be terrified. The storm was going on like that. The wind was coming around. I might be terrified. But they learned something about Jesus. They said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They learned who he was. They learned those character traits that we talked about just a few of them before, loyal, committed, They learned that he was the God that even the wind and the waves obeyed him. (laughs) Jesus is our all in all. We meet a new part of him every single storm we go through. We meet a new part of him his love and his character, every single time you go through those storms in your life, you're going to see a piece of Jesus and you're going to get to know and you're going to build it up so when the storms come, that you're anchor and you're tethered to that anchor and you are not 
going to move. And you can be calm in the midst of that. You can be calm. When, sorry, Elizabeth, but when my daughter was going through that bout that she was going through with her addiction, if I didn't have the anchor of Jesus to hold on to, I would have lost my ever-loving mind. I would be sitting in a padded room to this day because it was horrible. It was windy. There was pressure. There was so much going on. And, of course, that doesn't just affect one aspect of your life because when the wind comes, it wreaks havoc with the whole thing. Right? It just rips it all apart. You got trees over here. You got branches over here. You got flowers that you just planted over here. That poor little apple tree, the flowers are all gone. It's gone. It's decimated. There's nothing left but a little stick in the house. But he's that anchor. He just holds you right there when that wind is blowing. You tether yourself to him. You are not going to be shaken. You will know that you know again in your knower that he is that anchor in that storm. He is my strength. In the word we see in the New Testament, he rose Lazarus from the dead. He made blind eyes see. He cleansed the lepers. He cast out demons. He fed 5,000. And ladies, when you got to feed four, it's a nightmare. Imagine feeding 5,000. He changed water into wine. We know the power of Jesus when we see it in action in our lives. Build on those things. Don't let those things just go by as a mishap. Know that God has moved. Give him glory and put it in your tool chest so that you can pull it out and you could say to your own self, I know I don't have to worry about that because this is what happened. As a, as a child, I was extremely fearful. I was a, one of the most outgoing children I ever knew. Really, I was just really super outgoing. I would talk to the, you know, who cares who it was. We lived in Southern, we lived in California. I was on the beach seven days a week. And I would talk to, it was the 1960s, there was a few hippies on the beach. They were my buddies. I just hung out with them and talked to them and laughed with them. Lord knows what they were doing. I talked to the carnival people on the boardwalk, which was across the street from my house. I just would talk to anybody. My first day of kindergarten, I hitchhiked to school. It was three blocks. Who knew? But I was deathly afraid of things. I was so afraid that in my house, my poor mother, because she loves pictures and she would frame them, but I could not have pictures on the wall that they would stare at me. They would follow me around, right? The news guy on TV, I would keep moving seats. Like, why is he looking at me? Stop staring at me. Stop looking at me. And it was so, un it was just why, I don't know, I'm sure I know why it was there. And there was a lot going on in Southern California at that time. And um, there was a lot of, you know, murders and things. And I just assumed that I would be next. But I was so outgoing. It was so weird. So, but I was so afraid it affected a lot of things in my life and in my family's life. As I became a young woman 
and I had to go off to college and live in a dorm, that was a nightmare. I sat in my bed and with my roommate in the room with me, watching that door all night long, thinking somebody was coming in. We had like three locks on it. I put chairs in front of it. She's like, okay, whatever. You know, I got married. We moved again. So I finally felt secure in my dorm room, I thought, after years, even with my whatever. I got married, and I had a whole new set of things that had to go through. Fears, different doors. Are the windows locked? Are the doors done? Are the do- it just kept going. When I became a single mother, oh, good night. There was nobody there that they would kill first. <laughs> They're coming to me first now that I'm the adult. That's what I thought. It's terrible to say, but that's how I thought. <sighs> I know, I'm sorry. Sorry, Michael. But one day, <clears throat> in a prayer meeting at our church in Beacon, New York, Pastor Arsted was praying, and he was talking about going from glory to glory, you know, for the fire. And God brought to me to read Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold in my life, and whom shall I be afraid? There was no, at that point in time, it was like a switch that flipped. I was not afraid anymore. I didn't have to be afraid because I knew from my toolbox that I had something that was greater than that storm of being afraid. And it was a huge storm. But he is my anchor. He is my anchor. He calmed my storm. He calmed my storm. If we put our hope in him, we will see his love that overwhelms us. We will still, we will see his power as it holds us. We will see his strength as it keeps him close. Let us live by faith. By faith that he is our anchor. He is our anchor. He is our rock and our salvation. In Psalms, it says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will not be shaken. Ah, that's exciting. I will not be shaken. The next time you're in that storm, you will not be shaken. And I thought of that song from um, Casting Crowns. I'm just going to read a part of it. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes into the hills where my help comes from. He helps me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I will praise you in this storm. I will lift my hands that you are who you are no matter where I am. You hold my hand. You have never left my side. And through my heart, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. That's what needs to happen. Are you prepared? Are you prepared and are you holding on to the anchor? Do you have tools? Do you have things that will help you to be prepared when those storms come? 
the storms are going to come. He will calm the storm. And he will reveal himself through the storm. It's a little early, but if you want to come up. Father, we love you. We see you when we're in that storm, God. <laughs> Let us draw you near. Let us bring you closer, God. Let us not push you away, but let us bring you closer in those storms. We are unable to stand against them, God, but you are able to stand against them because you are mighty. You are our anchor. You have shown us, God, those things that you need us to know. You've showed us great and mighty things, God. Help us through these storms. Help us through these storms. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother, God. Father, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.